Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, whatever part of the day you're in, sure do appreciate you joining me, giving me a little bit of your time, energy. Now you'll have other things that you could be doing. I appreciate it. Grateful for it. And use it wisely. I don't know if y'all can tell. Doing something we haven't done in quite a while, which is record one of the podcasts while we're out for a walk in the pasture. The dogs are ready to go. Check on a couple things. Sounded like a good idea. So, hopefully, as I said, the background noise isn't too bad. We have some clouds in the sky. Might get a little rain. Not a lot else on the homestead. I think some bug has finally discovered our bok choy, so I'm not sure how much longer that's going to last. Had a, just, this is just a little side note, folks, for those of y'all that are interested or do it yourselves. Had a gentleman at church, he and I go back and forth about gardening and chickens and turkeys etc we were talking about the cones that you use to a lot of people use to slaughter chickens and turkeys with different heights etc and i know a number of y'all live in cities where this probably is impossible but there's something really wholesome, and certainly educational about having our children see the process of turning animals, I think animals in particular, but crops too, into food. The amount of work that goes into it, from feeding or watering for the processing. It's just something that, that used to be a huge part of our society and has kind of faded into the background. And when you don't know that stuff, you, you don't appreciate it. You take it for granted. I think that we have, you know that we have taken a huge number of blessings that we have in this country for granted. So, at any rate, my whole point being, if you get a chance and you have kids, try and let them see that process. Take them to a farm if you don't have that ability on your own. Uh, 
Go hunting with them if you have that ability. You know, start a little garden and have the kids help. It's it's a big deal. It's a huge deal. There's a reason that that our founders talk so highly of those involved in agriculture. Um, and again, we've talked about this on the podcast, and I'll move on, folks. You know, supporting your your local farmers and ranchers, that's a big deal, especially as we get closer to some kind of conflict. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for you, Father, and your Son, Jesus Christ, and your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the time to record this podcast people who listen to it and share it, be with their families, guide them, bless them, surround them with your angels, protect them from evil of any kind. Guide our thoughts, Lord, our words and our actions. Help our actions to line up with what we claim our priorities are. Help our actions to show the world just a little bit of you, at least. Certainly, help our actions not to hinder your work, bring discredit to you and your Son, Jesus Christ, and to cause those who are lost and seeking to turn away. Light our path, Lord. Show us what you would have us do each day. Give us the wisdom to see it, the courage to act on it, and the perseverance to continue with it. And be with our nation. And God, my words here, Father, please. Your son's name we pray. So we talked the other day about how important it was to keep Christmas throughout the year. There's a quote by one of our leaders at some point. I wish I had it in front of me. I want to say Benjamin Franklin, but I don't think that's right, folks. Please don't hold me to that. And it talks about when you have the spirit of Christmas continually in your heart, you have this this joy or this optimism or you know you have this peace about you constantly. I'll try and find that quote when I I'll read it when I stumble across it again someday. But the point is pretty simple to see. We need to maintain that relationship with Christ. Throughout the year, not just at Christmas and Easter, and or not at all, it's more like in the country these days. Uh, but we need to maintain that relationship. And so, in lieu of talking about that, I'm going to read through, uh, we're going to do a couple more of these Christmas messages. I found a couple that I think are really pretty great by Truman. We may have read these in past years. I kind of think we have one year. 
but they're just, I think they're really good. So we're going to start with, if I can find it, I just had it and then it went away. Isn't that cute? Always and never fails when you're looking for something right when you need it, right? It's kind of like uh, when you were a student and you would look and look and look for some answer. You could not find it. And you would call the teacher over and then as soon as the teacher got there, you saw it. So this is from 1947. This is President Truman's address at the lighting of the National Community Christmas tree on the White House ground. And it was broadcast nationally at 5.15 p.m. This little bit of trivia. My fellow countrymen, we are met on the south lawn of the White House. Above the barren treetops rises the towering shaft of the Washington Monument. The scene is peaceful and tranquil, the shadows deepen, and the holy night falls gently over the national capital as we gather round our Christmas tree. Down the ages, from the first Christmas through all the years of 19 centuries, mankind, in its weary pilgrimage through a changing world, has been cheered and strengthened by the message of Christmas. The angels sang for joy at the first Christmas in faraway Bethlehem. Their song has echoed through the corridors of time and will continue to sustain the heart of man through eternity. Let us not forget that the first Christmas was a homeless one, a humble man and woman had gone up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth to Bethlehem. There is a sense of desolation in St. Luke's brief chronicle that Mary brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. For many of our brethren in Europe and Asia, this too will be a homeless Christmas. There can be little happiness for those who will keep another Christmas in poverty and exile and in separation from their loved ones. As we prepare to celebrate our Christmas this year in a land of plenty, we would be heartless indeed if we were indifferent to the plight of less fortunate peoples overseas. We must not forget our revolutionary fathers also knew a Christmas of suffering and desolation. Washington wrote from Valley Forge two days before Christmas in 1777. We have this day no less than 2,873 men in camp unfit for duty because they are barefooted and otherwise naked. We can be thankful that our people have risen today, as did our forefathers in Washington's time, to our obligation and our opportunity.
At this point in the world's history, the words of St. Paul have greater significance than ever before. He said, Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. We believe this. We accept it as a basic principle of our lives. The great heart of the American people has been moved to compassion by the needs of those in other lands who are cold and hungry. We have supplied a part of their needs, and we shall do more. In this, we are maintaining the American tradition. In extending aid to our less fortunate brothers, we are developing in their hearts the return of hope. Because of our forts, the people of other lands see the advent of a new day in which they can lead lives free from the harrowing fear of starvation and want. With the return of hope to these peoples will come renewed faith, faith in the dignity of the individual and the brotherhood of man. The world grows old, but the spirit Christmas is ever young. Happily for all mankind, the spirit of Christmas survives travail and suffering because it fills us with hope of better things to come. Let us then put our trust in the unerring star which guided the wise men to the manger of Bethlehem. Let us hearken again to the angel choir singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, good will toward men. With hope for the future and with faith in God, I wish all my countrymen a very Merry Christmas. I, again, I, I think I said this on one of the recent Christmas messages that we went through. Can you imagine? If a president today gave a message like this at Christmas. And some of you will say that there's some out there that, that would. And I hope that you're right. And I think that you're right. But we haven't seen very many of them in recent years if any. And the reason that I say that before I completely alienate some of y'all is because Truman here in this speech was unapologetic. And you notice it in a few different places and we'll talk about it for however much time we have left to talk. One of the things that, that kind of caught me at the very beginning is down through the ages from the first Christmas through all the years of 19th centuries. Mankind, you know, has been cheered and strengthened by the message of Christmas. And yet we as a nation, all of a sudden, we've decided a lot of things recently, folks. We've decided that marriage isn't between a man and a woman. 
even though God says otherwise. We've decided that boys can be girls and girls can be boys, even though God says otherwise. We've decided that this message of Christmas that has brought hope through war and famine and pillage and plunder and rape through 2,000 years is no longer a worthy message because we're so much smarter and so much better than all those that came before us. (laughs) The level of arrogance today, folks, uh, the lack of gratitude, of humility, is astounding. It's embarrassing. Shocking. Eternity. Truman talks about eternity. The fact that this uh, Christmas in faraway Bethlehem, this song has echoed through the corridors of time and will continue to sustain the heart of man through eternity. We've talked about this before, folks, but uh, and there's a lot of different analogies out there that you can go look up. Your actions here on earth are just the very tip of eternity. And where we choose to put our faith in Jesus Christ or not, determines how we're going to spend eternity. Eternity. Forever. Regardless of what happens to us as a nation, as Americans, as individuals, that decision is going to be with us forever. There there won't be any sense of time because it will never stop. Uh, That's very encouraging. You put your faith in Christ, and it's terrifying if you don't. Just the fact uh, in this other paragraph, a humble man and woman had gone up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth to Bethlehem, talking about Mary bringing forth her firstborn son. Folks, there's, there's just, no matter what science does, a marriage is a man and a woman, and it takes that to procreate. We can do all sorts of fancy things today, but the bottom line is we can't ever replace God's design or improve upon it. And again, just the arrogance to think that we can is astounding. Or the level of selfishness for wanting to gratify our own sexual desires or whatever desires you want to talk about is is astounding. There's a lot more here, folks. I think I'll end with this, his comment about Washington's quote, we have this day no less than 2,873 men in camp unfit for duty because they are barefooted and otherwise naked, and then obligation and opportunity. We're going to get a chance again, folks. We have this chance already to fulfill our obligation You know, our first Supreme Court justice, this quote we go back to with John Jay so often throughout the podcast, that it's not only our duty, but it's our privilege to elect Christian men, Christian leaders in this Christian nation. We have an obligation because of the blessings that we have been given by God, the old Latin noblish, noblat, the obligation of the nobility, right? The obligation of those who have been given more 
and, and just here again, folks, I have to say it because we don't understand it apparently. You, you can't fulfill that obligation. You can't be loving and kind by taking something from someone else to give. So the idea that you can tax somebody else to provide for welfare and that you're somehow being loving and kind is just not true. But we need to look back and realize the amount of suffering and duty and obligation that went into forming this country and just have a little reality check, folks, and think about cross the Christ on the cross and his suffering for us. God bless you all. God bless America. We'll talk to you again.